Hello, wrestling fans. Welcome to the newest edition of Free Admission for Real. On tonight's edition, we will be discussing the upcoming King of Trios weekend. I am not alone. I am joined by Jacob Cohen. Jacob, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Good to hear. And I am also joined by one very familiar face from our last podcast, Mark Ollers. How are you doing, Mark? Doing fine, JP. Thanks. Yes, I am your host, JP Nichols. And we are going to talk about the one of the bigger weekends of the year, King of Trios 2011. But to start off with, we unfortunately had a very, very sad turn of events happen uh, yesterday with the recent news of the uh, unfortunate passing away of Larry Sweeney. I can speak for myself by saying that I am still pretty shaken up about it today, and I can uh, certainly assume that both you, Jacob, and Mark are feeling the same way as I am. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I completely concur. Uh, Larry Sweeney was um, one of the few guys who uh, really, um, I mean, as a manager in a managerial role, he uh, was a must-see act, and when you really think in the last uh, 10 to 12 years, uh, he's probably the only one. Uh, I'd absolutely agree with that. There's no one I can think of who's touched Larry Sweeney in a very, very long time in a managerial role. Maybe second would be Paul Heyman, and that's almost 10 years ago already. It- I I have to agree with uh, that statement as well. It, it just it's very saddening to me, just especially based off the fact that it's like many people, at least I have been talking with many people who have been talking about where has Larry Sweeney been because he has been uh, mostly out of the common eye of the independent professional wrestling scene since January of 2009 when Ring of Honor decided to let him go for personal issues, and he just uh, started making his real big return in like the company known as AAW, as well as having his appearance as Volcador in the Dark Supernatico in Chikara. And it's like it, it seemed like he may have started been able to uh, get back into the game and start regularly appearing on the independent scene, but unfortunately the it was not meant to be, it seems, because it just really blew my mind that uh, more companies were not booking him, but I suppose yeah, you can only blame it on the personal factors behind it, Not obviously not the talent that the man had himself. To that note, I know following the uh, uh, 2009 release from ROH, um, it seemed like a point in his life where um, wrestling wasn't needed. And uh, to me, always in the back of my head was uh, hopefully uh, Sweeney is rehabilitating and this time that he's been away because uh, as much of a rush as you get from going out there and performing week in and week out, um, that you know the adrenaline rush you get it becomes addictive in somebody who suffers from uh bipolar um disorder those addictive 
things are not uh, not the best. You know, they're not the best ways to actually um, facilitate the disorder. So, in the back of my mind, I was sad not to see Sweeney uh, more active the last two years. And uh, I always had a glimmer of hope, though, that the um, lack of his visibility was maybe a sense that this guy was rehabilitating. Unfortunately, uh, that wasn't the case. And, um, you know, selfishly as a fan, we lost two years of Sweeney that uh, I would have liked to have seen. And uh, now ultimately all we will have is his brief run that uh, we were already familiar with. Yeah, it's a real shame the way things went down with Sweeney. It's it's something that I particularly don't really understand. I'm not uh, well-educated on the whole uh, bipolar situation, but uh, from my understanding, the, there was a big rush that was involved with him performing. I, I mean, I listened to uh, Chris Hero Audio talking about it. He said things actually got worse for Sweeney when he stopped performing. It was like, it was almost a drug in its own, and when he came down, it wasn't great. I don't know, Mark, if uh, you can elaborate on that. Well, that's uh, funny because I didn't hear the Chris Hero um, audio, but uh, as someone who does suffer from bipolar disorder, I can. that's the point I just made, and I can absolutely see something like going out there and performing every week as being... Uh, that drug and that thing that you need. And when you have these episodes of mania that obviously he was experiencing, um, being alone is the word. You, you don't, you don't want to be alone. It's, um, cause it's, it's, your mind is going a mile a minute and, uh, yeah, performing, I mean, you know, having something to do and having a purpose, that's, that's the biggest part of this disorder is, uh, a lot of it isn't, you know, um, a lot of uh, soul-searching and self-searching and self-worth. And, you know, when he was on, under the bright lights, be it for 1,500 people or 15 people, um, you get you get a kick out of that. And uh, when Chikara stopped booking him and ROH stopped booking him and pretty much every indie fed uh, in America stopped booking him, that's two years, you know, 52 weeks each year where he was doing absolutely nothing. And, uh, if he's in a state of mania and he has nothing, but and I don't want to, I don't want to jump to conclusions and say that maybe he was, um, getting that kick from other, I don't, I don't know. I know he had uh, bouts with alcoholism. I don't know if he was involved in drugs or not, but if you don't have something like wrestling that it's become so, so much a part of your life, to uh, latch on to, and unfortunately, maybe you you look for other things that uh, aren't uh, don't coexist, with, especially when you have uh, a mental disorder with uh, chemical imbalances. I think as well, one of the bigger like stunning factors to me regarding the whole situation is just considering just how young. Larry Sweeney was. I mean, when you look at everything, he was only 29 years old. And it's just more than disheartening to me to feel like he, 
he never had the real opportunity to not only obviously, you know, get in a more national exposure in like a WWE sort of state where obviously he would have been able to thrive completely due to the style that he brought and everything like that. But even just the fact that he didn't even get to really live as a whole. Just... Yeah, it's uh, and that's what we see a lot with these, you know, uh, one of the more recent uh, high-profile deaths that we had was the one of uh, Lance Cade. And here's a guy who I believe was only 27. And when, you, when you've been exposed to this guy for the better part of six years, in your mind, you think, wow, this guy's lived a full life. And then just as you said, JP, to put it in perspective, you, you see the number next to the name then, and you realize, you know, I'm not too much younger than these guys. And uh, they really didn't get to experience a whole lot. Um, going into the point that you made about uh, the fact that he didn't get uh, mainstream exposure that he probably deserved, it's it's too bad because um, he is a guy who in another era would have been one of, I mean, just one of the all-time greats. Even if you look at a guy like uh, Eddie Edwards, who everybody's jumping on the bandwagon now with him, you have to go back to when he joined Sweet and Sour. For I mean, before that, he was used few and far between in ROH, and usually as an enhancement talent. And just his association with Sweeney got him over instantly. And that speaks a lot to uh, Sweeney as a character. A lot of those guys from the Sweeney stable ended up being the bigger stars for ROH in the last couple of years, and it's not really due to Hagedorn, I would say. <laughs> Agreed. I mean, no, I mean, when you look at everyone, I mean, between Hero, Davey, uh, well, as you already mentioned, Edwards. I mean, Edwards, uh, for a long while, was just that guy with the bad hair in Ring of Honor. <laughs> but... Uh, Needless to say, I mean, it's just very upsetting because really on the independent scene, a lot of the main talk is about how a lot of these guys kind of just look alike, and it's very clear that Sweeney was one of a kind, uh, at least in, in my eyes. Yeah, a lot of those, I'll be the brave point. In. Yes. Oh, go ahead, Mark. I was just, it's just a great point is that he, he didn't look or act like anything else on the independent scene. I mean, he was, he was a true, when, I mean, when you, when you say guys are a throwback, this guy absolutely was a throwback. I mean, and he, he didn't shy away from it either. He, uh, he, he took the best parts of all the guys you knew he loved growing up and he, he played the role to perfection. And, uh, uh, I mean, uh, just speaking uh, from a live perspective, I mean, having the opportunity to see Sweeney a lot through my time attending FIP from 2006 to 2008 was when uh, FIP really stopped booking him. I had the, top, the opportunity to speak with him a few times myself, and I just was blown away by how, how nice of a guy he was. I mean, it's very funny considering the type of character that he was, you know, he, uh, that in the ring, he was just this very cocky, very uh, very conniving character. And then outside of the ring, I struggled to think of many workers off the top of my head that I've had the opportunity to meet that was more nice of a guy. And that's one of the points I made, JP, to elaborate on that is, uh, 
in speaking with Jacob the other day is that, you know, these independent deaths, and I don't think we've had a high-profile independent death in at least a couple of years, and, but these guys are so accessible when you go to these shows that you do get to meet, you don't, you know, you're not, when you're not meeting Larry Sweeney, uh, the character, you get to make, meet the person. And uh, even if it is only a brief connection, um, you're allowed to connect with these guys. So when somebody, uh, the level of Larry Sweeney passes away, it does hit extra hard. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. I got to meet Sweeney a few times myself, and especially I remember this in September. We were in Chicago for AAW, and I bought the last purple Larry Sweeney shirt. He said that's the last one left, period. There's no more in existence to be sold by me after that. So, um, I actually bought a little bit of the last copy of... Uh, don't mess with Texarkana. And I, I, fortunately, I got uh, the Legends Tour and Don't Mess with Texarkana both uh, both autographed. Uh, and I'm not an autograph seeker, but uh, well, I'll tell a funny story. Uh, sorry, not to steal the thunder here, but I know our first FIP we ever went to, they brought in a ton of Dragon Gate talent, a ton of, ton of Chikara talent. Um, you had Roderick, Eric Stevens, big name guys. Uh, for me and my girlfriend, Crystal, though, um, we blew off everybody there to go just hang around Sweeney, and we bought every bit of merch he had. And that was, I mean, he, he was just this uh, charismatic figure that people were drawn to. Whether, whether you, as a character, you loved him or hated him, you couldn't deny that uh, he had unmatched charisma. Oh, Yeah. No, he was just, I was going to bring this point up a bit earlier, but he was like the young Bobby Heenan, almost mixed a bit with like uh, Johnny Valiant during his WWF run, or he was just, he was sly, he was cool, but he was also wacky and crazy. Without a shot of a doubt, I mean, like... Uh... Just everything that he brought to the table. I mean, it, uh, like I had mentioned before, just about him being one of a kind. I mean, he just completely, I felt that he really stole the show and whatever he was doing on the show just because of the way that everything he did from just the opening promos of his matches to the way that he actually worked the matches. I mean, it was just, you know, it's something that is going to be a very glaring omission to me now looking at the independence scene. Well, think about Sweeney in this perspective, as a manager at the very least. Bobby Dempsey was one of the most overacts in ROH because Larry Sweeney was mean to him constantly. Yeah. It's This guy had that ability to make, no, look, Bobby Dempsey's okay, he's nothing special, he's, he's good for what he is, but... This guy was one of the most overacts in ROH because people wanted to see him turn on Sweeney. It's how many guys in a company where all the fans are internet fans want to see a big face turn. Uh, I, yeah, that's that's a great point, Jacob. And that goes back to when you talk about the great managers. I think you have to go back to Heenan to find somebody who you could stick anybody with Heenan and they were instantly credible and even, here's the thing, like you say Heyman went during his run with uh, Brock, 
Brock, Brock was over anyways, I, I would argue. But Sweeney, like we said, I mean, he took guys like – and, and not to say these guys wouldn't have gotten over on their own. I mean, you know, the Eddies and Davies and Heroes. But, just, I mean, just being with Sweeney, it, I mean, just gave them something. You know, it, we'll, I'll wager we'll never see that again. But even uh, talking about getting uh, fans behind someone, even uh, Brent Albright around the time, because uh, everyone wanted to see Albright turn on uh, the group to save uh, Dempsey from uh, the tactics that Sweeney was going after Dempsey with. And it's not like Brent Albright is this uh, 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 bastion of charisma. Bastion of There you go. (laughs) And yet Larry Sweeney was able to get the crowd going into getting into Brent Albright of all people. I mean, it just goes to show just how uh, overall – Overall flourish that this guy was in the art of professional wrestling. But uh, any final thoughts on Larry Sweeney as a whole? Yeah, before I went, I just wanted to share maybe like a couple of uh, favorite uh, Sweeney moments um, from one that maybe only resonates personally. Um, well, bo- both these moments actually happened at the 2008 uh, Jeff Peterson Cup. First one was on night one. Crystal had uh, bought the uh, Texarkana TV champion hoodie, and uh, she was wearing it. Sweeney comes out. We're in the front row, and he points at uh, Crystal and, did I sell that to you? And she goes, yeah. And, uh, well, I shouldn't have. <laughs> you know, just like, I mean, just something that you couldn't help but be a heel, you know? I mean, the the one person who bought the the hoodie that uh, he had uh, mass produced and he sold one and he's pissed at the person for buying it. Um, and then on night two, I know he had a match that uh, strictly for the boys, I would call this match, but he and Sal Renaro put on um, as much of a clinic as you can without doing more than four wrestling holds. And it was just a sight to behold. And they... Both played uh, the the chicken heel to perfection, so much so that uh, the crowd ended up couldn't boo either guy, and unless the the other guy went super fast. I mean, it was just this like mind blown experience where they were both super heel, and then one would turn super face on the other one. The crowd would get behind him, and the other guy would outface him, and then they would poke each other in the eye and then do dirty uh, handshakes. Um, we saw a shake, rattle, and roll. We saw some shades of Yokozuna, uh, eye rakes, back rakes. Um, the matches available, I know, on the Independent Tour de Force or whatever it was called when uh, Dragon Gate came out, or you can find it on the uh, Jeff Peterson Cup 2008 DVD, but it's one of my favorite matches ever to attend live. Yeah, I, I personally also have to put over that match. I was not in attendance for that match, but I did have the opportunity to see very many uh, great Larry Sweeney moments, whether it was from him facing uh, the likes of Colt Cabana, I mean, to even uh, simply watching him on DVD against uh, many, many colorful opponents, whether it be in Chikara or IWA or FIP or even uh, just as a managerial, manager in Ring of Honor. 
I mean, he just provided so many fantastic and great moments, and I can only wish today that we were able to see more. Well, I figured that I should probably put over his last match in Chikara, which was at the Dark Cybernetico this year. And when he unmasked his Vokador, that crowd just went wild. And that's probably the last time, the last type of match I've ever seen Sweeney in because we got to see him, what, a month before against, what was the guy's name, Crotch or something? Yep. <laughs> Wasn't exactly Sweeney's finest moment, but in terms of Dark Cybernetico was one of, must have been one of the big highs in his career, at least in a form of a comeback that unfortunately never materialized. Certainly. Uh, I mean, and uh, like I had mentioned, I just wish that we uh, had the opportunity to speak, uh, to say more about him going today. But I mean, all that can be said is that he was a fantastic talent that, did everything that he could for the business to the best of his ability and certainly made many fans happy. And, um, Mark, I know that you have to get going, but I appreciate you uh, attending the show today. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, and I, uh, I'm, I'm, I appreciate uh, you allowing me to share a few feelings about... Uh, Larry Sweeney, who I will argue now, um, he becomes sort of this uh, enigma, and hopefully now his legacy will grow. Certainly. And we are going to take a minor break before Jacob and I delve into King of Trios 2011. And once again, thank you, Mark, for being on the show. We'll be back very shortly. Back to talk now about, needless to say, one of the biggest wrestling weekends of the year. This weekend on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, Chikara presents King of Trios 2011. And Jacob and I will have the opportunity to attend these shows. This will be my third King of Trios, and I know it will also be Jacob's second. And needless to say, I am beyond excited for this weekend, and I can assure you that Jacob feels the same way. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. This was so much fun last year that I said, I have to do this again, schedule permitting. And I was going to work my schedule around this. It just so happened to fall almost perfectly on the weekend that it did. Yes. I mean, um, I I find it very hard to really... Beyond the likes of WrestleMania weekend, I find it very hard to come up with a weekend as a whole that is more fun for uh, just attending a few wrestling shows as King of Trios. Bound for glory. Yeah, very true. I don't know how I could have possibly forgotten (laughs) Bound for Glory or perhaps even uh, Victory Road would be another uh, one to Tons of winners, but TNA TNA jokes aside, um, I really don't think 
even WrestleMania weekend. This is probably the most fan-friendly annual event of the year. Um, maybe Wrestle Reunion. Wrestle Reunion has actually really carved a niche between their ROH show, uh, Kurt Russell Reunion, and their convention. That's a lot of fun. But King of Trios is awesome. All, we're dealing with top weekends. When you're comparing a show by a company that at best is probably the fifth or sixth company in terms of the hierarchy in the United States to the top company in the United States running with the third and fourth company in the United States and super shows on the uh, in Los Angeles, you know you're in good company. Certainly. I think one of my favorite things more than anything about uh, King and Trio's weekend is just, you know for sure, I mean, granted with attending uh, WrestleMania weekend, you know that you're going to get big, top-quality matches. I mean, like as an example, coming out of last weekend, you know, Undertaker versus Triple H or Akira Tozawa versus Pac. But with King of Trios, I feel it's a bit different because you know you're going to get high-quality matches, and chances are you may never, ever see another combination of that match again. Like, take as an example... The 2009 acclaimed four-way that was Kota Ibushi versus El Generico versus Nick Jackson versus Jigsaw. I mean, I would say, I would certainly say that it is a very good possibility that that match will never happen again. Oh, absolutely. And look up and down King of Trios the last few years. Even some of the teams they put together are just wild and funky. And it's just a weekend encapsulated to itself. Continuing Chikara's storylines while creating this whole unique dynamic for that one weekend. I mean, we're going into this weekend. We know every match on night one, and we do not know a single match in full on night two or three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, uh, and obviously with a company like Chikara, I have full confidence in that, that they will put together nothing but good matches. I mean, coming out of whatever the results are for the, uh, for the tournament following Friday. I mean, because really I find it very hard to come up with a company that is overall, in, in just terms of booking and characters and everything like that, I find it very hard to come up with a company better than Chikara today. Well, Chikara, one of their biggest strengths is they really understand their audience. They know the size of their audience, they know the appeal of their audience, and they work to give the audience the type of product that they want. And with that product, also, this audience expects a lot of good wrestling, even mixed in with humor in some of the matches, or Eddie Kingston's very serious, and you've got the whole BDK angle. It's, it's a very well-put-together company for those who enjoy it. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. And needless to say, I feel that this year's King of Trios, in terms of just overall roster that they have with the trios, obviously 2008 in terms of numbers are biggest one. I personally feel that the 2009 one in terms of overall people that they have on the roster was their biggest one. And that's not to insult either of the other two that were 2007 and 2010, but the this year's King of Trios, I feel, is just, just well, phenomenally stacked. 
in terms of the talent that they're bringing in. It's just a very large diversity of that when you look at everything top to bottom. Yeah, they really went, I don't even want to say unique, but they really went over the top with the amount of bizarre talent or different talent or really, really unique talent. Um, You have all these teams from Japan. You've got three teams from Japan, which at this point would be the most Japanese teams, if I'm correct. I would say that's spot on, yeah. On top of that, you've got Manami Toyota on another team. You've got you've got a team from Australia. Whether they're good or not, we'll find out in a few days. You've mm-hmm. got all kinds of talents who aren't regulars to Chikara, but are unique in matches with the Chikara guys all brought in. And I think a lot of the pairings have been done very well, at least on the first night, to show off all these talents. Some of them making their debuts in the U.S. Yes. I mean, uh, like uh, just running down the card for night one, I mean, the first match, I mean, on the page at least, is uh, Team Dragon Gate of Super Shiza, uh, Akira Tozawa, and Kagitora versus the Spectral Envoy of Ultramantis Black, Frightmare, and Hallow Wicked. I mean, this being a debut for both Super Shiza and Kagitora, who are very... Very good talents in uh, Dragon Gate that have yet to get their big, big breakout. Super Shiza being a very big, high-flying type. Kagitora bringing a more of a striking game. And Akira Tozawa just bringing the best game that Akira Tozawa brings to the table. Well, Akira Tozawa has become the internet darling of late, but the guy's been awesome since the first time I ever saw him, which, given, was only a year ago, but even still awesome. It's very funny with the way that he has broken out because um, considering when he was in Japan, I mean, he was not exactly someone that many guys look to as, you know, a great talent. And then once he started regularly appearing in Dragon Gate USA and has his shots in PWG as well, he has just become, well, in my opinion, one of the, the best workers to watch in the U.S. right now today. Now, here's a question. Akira Tozawa, would you consider him the first American-made Japanese Dragon Gate product? Um, not, counting, not counting Shingo and all those guys in ROH. I'm talking about that Dragon Gate USA created. I should rephrase that. Yeah, exactly. That Dragon Gate USA created Japanese talent, but they created them mainly in the U.S. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I mean, he is, uh, without a doubt, I mean, the uh, one of the main guys to watch in Dragon Gate, and I still sort of feel that uh, we should have um, seen him win the title in Atlanta last weekend from Yamato, but obviously Yamato's reign has to continue more than two defenses, but it is what it is. I mean, uh, we know at some point that Tozawa has to get that title and then, you know, run the world with it. Oh, yeah, like Davy Richards in ROH, Tozawa's the uncrowned champion unless something happens. I mean, I, I do feel that um, uh, the Spectral Envoy are honestly going to win this match, though. An interesting statistic is that this is Ultramantis' first time in a trio since the 2008 incarnation, since uh, he was not in a trio last year, uh, he was only in the tag gauntlet, and that was also the case for 2009's edition as well. And in my opinion, the Spectral Envoy, I mean, 
are one of my three teams that I would say could very well win the whole thing. Out um, they have potential to. i pretty firm behind my top pick, just the way it's being pushed within uh, Chikara's recent shows, but you never know. Yeah. Um, but they are probably amongst, I, I, I would agree that they're amongst Chikara's favorites in terms of winning. Certainly. The next match that we have on the show pits, needless to say, a very big underdog-type match versus the overall top dog in Shakara right now as we get Fist versus Team Australia. I have never seen Team Australia. I can assure you that when I saw that this team was announced, I was less than impressed, but it came on the same week as Team Michinoku Pro being announced, so I was quickly forgiving of that. But I feel that this match could be a big surprise of the weekend. Um, right it, now. It's very possible. I'm going in not with high hopes for Team Australia, but just I'm looking at their picture right now. You've got uh, that Percy guy, the dweeb with the glasses. You've got the guy with the looks like an oak zombie mask and a lot of chesney. I think his name is Cable. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm just looking. It's like, I think there's sparkles, there's dots on my computer screen. No, this guy's just got a lot of chesney. (laughs) And then you got Tama Williams. Tama Williams looks like the only guy who's actually not a backyard wrestler. I'm not saying these guys are going to be bad. I don't want to extremely dog these guys going in, but they don't look good, at least in this particular picture. Certainly. I mean, it very well could turn out like the now infamous Gary the Barn Owl uh, match from uh, King of Trios 2009, which um, one of those very strange matches that you cannot really make up. Uh, Gary the Barn Owl, and I want to say Davey Vega versus the Submission Squad. But I, I sort of feel that Putting them against the more or less most feared trio in Shakara and Fist, I feel like they are counting on the fact that Team Australia very well could have a big match with them to potentially get them future bookings. But it very well could not turn out that way. I am also going in with like a very like sort of middle ground feeling towards it because it really can go either way. Well, Australia is a far way away. I don't know how how many times Shakara is going to invite these guys to travel all the way from uh, wherever they're from in Australia to uh, Philadelphia. But with that said, it's they've got good company in the ring in Chuck Taylor, Johnny Gargano, and Icarus. And I can fully see this match going either way, but with the talent of Fist, I'm hoping that it goes the positive way. And for all we know, these Team Australia guys can be good. There's not really that much out there for us to see them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I had a very hard time finding anything on any of them. I mean, besides Tom Williams, who I only really found a brief couple YouTube matches. But it really could be a surprise. I just sort of feel that way. But uh, needless to say, I still would say that uh, Fist is without doubt uh, coming out of this match on top. 
So I would be shocked if it went the other way. If if Team Australia wins, I'm pretty sure uh, someone's going to be taking laps. Like I I don't even know how I would react. I would I mean I suppose it just really depends on the way that they end up performing because if they end up performing really well and get the win, I'd be very happy for them. But obviously, I, even if they do, I just don't think this should be out in the first round. Yeah, agreed. The next match on the show, which at least on night one, is probably my most anticipated match of the show for very obvious reasons, is Team Michinoku Pro, consisting of Great Sasuke, Dick Togo, and Jinsei Shinzaki versus Team Minnesota of Eric Cannon, Darren Corbin, and the returning 1-2-3 kid. Yeah, this match is cool. This match is 1995 cool <laughs> when you're getting one, two, three kid in Hakushi in the same ring, what, 16 years later. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, SummerSlam 95 all over again. And I just, the, the moment that Team Michinoku Pro was announced, I was just, I, I was doing backflips over the Pacific Ocean and back. <laughs> all the way to Japan. I was just completely blown away by how awesome this team is. And I, I have full hope in them completely delivering just because of the fact that this is going to be Dick Togo's last time in the U.S. as it was actually recently announced today that he is going to have his retirement match in Michinoku Pro against Great Sasuke himself, actually, in June this year. And this will be one of the last times that you will be able to see him, so... I highly encourage that if you can, I mean, to make your way to these shows, obviously, for very many other reasons. But this match, I feel, will probably be the show ceiling match on paper. Well, yeah, and with Team Mijinoku Pro, I mean, I've only seen Jinsei Shinzaki live. I can never attest to have seen Dick Togo or Great Sasuke in the U.S. or, well, Takushi I would have seen in Canada. But with that said, it's I'm very excited to see Sasuke live. Just always awesome. Dick Togo, great worker. Hakushi. And we're we're completely glo- glossing over the fact Sean Waltman is reprising the one, two, three kid. Yeah. I mean, which is, uh, I mean, it's first time since I would say... 96. 96. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. I mean, and uh, considering the fact that also one of the bigger factors about this match is it gets an Eric Cannon return to Jakara, which is always seems to deliver. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, pun intended. Absolutely. (laughs) But um, needless to say, I mean, there's just a bunch of wacky combinations in this match. I mean, it's not very often that you can say you've seen Eric Cannon interact with the great Sasuke or anything of that nature. I, I am very excited for this. I... Uh, I do feel that um, Michinoku Pro will end up winning this. And perhaps we will get 1-2-3 Kid in Rede Valdores, although I do feel there's more usage out of him in just flat-out singles matches. But, I, I mean, I very well could be wrong there. I'm not even sure how they go. Because if you take out Michinoku Pro at the start... You've got Sasuke for two matches, you've got Togo for two matches, and you've got uh, Shinzeki for two matches. If you take out Team Minnesota, 
Eric Cannon and Darren Corbin will end up in the tag gauntlet. Maybe a match between Michinoku and Minnesota I will, by all accounts, be a fantastic match to see. And the ne- the next match that we have going into the show is the Colony versus Kazarni and the Batiri of Oberyn and Kadama. This match, I feel, could really... Uh, really, really helped the Batiri have a chance to break out as they both, needless to say, I feel are pretty talented. I would feel that uh, Oberian is the more uh, level-headed one in the ring considering how uh, inexperienced both of them are in terms of overall in-ring. But I feel that this match should turn out fine, and I would certainly say that the Colony are my top pick to actually win the whole tournament. Um, well, when you're talking about the Batiri, at this point, I still can't tell them apart. But with that said, they had an excellent match with Quack and Jigsaw for the tag titles. And they had an excellent match, uh, six men with the Osirian portal. So these guys can work, whether I can tell them apart or not at this point. And even Sinbodi Kazarni, he's in his element here. This is the right company for this guy. So he's been performing at a higher level than he was, let's say, in WWE, where they didn't really get his character. They didn't really get how it works. And then you get the colony. The colony is awesome. The colony, how many good matches did they have in the last year? It's just every time they're out there, they're having good matches, singles, tags, trios. And... You said they were your pick to win. I'd put them at number two. I think Osirian Portal's getting the win here. Uh, it, it really is sort of tough with me, I suppose. We'll get more into it when we get to the Portals match. Oh, once we're done running down all these matches. But this match, I feel that the Colony versus Kazarian theory should be a good match. I am very surprised, though, at the fact that... Um, if the Colony do win, they are not actually doing a six-man tag of some sort, pitting Kazarni and the Batiri against uh, the Spectral Envoy, which going into the shows before they started announcing the tournament matches, I felt was going to be something that would be a shoe-in for the tournament, at least on uh, night two or something like that. I but, think this would be the shocker of the tournament. I think Kazarni and Batiri could easily take out the Colony in the first round. I mean, that very well could be, honestly. I mean, I suppose with me with the Colony winning, it's just one of those things where it's just like, uh, it it's happens every year, and it's like, I feel like, okay, this year will be their year. I mean, last year I felt it was going to be, obviously, Claudio, Ar- Aris, and Tursus and, uh, taking the whole thing against the Colony in the finals. But I guess it might just be the... Shakara fan in me hoping that the colony finally gets their uh, big time to shine here, but it very well could not be the case. Yeah, I agree. As a fan, I would have liked the colony to have won last year. I'd like them to win this year, but realistically, the way the booking's going, the way the Osirian portals really come together, also, it doesn't hurt that they got all this mainstream attention and went viral on YouTube. So. But we'll see. But in regards to this match, I gave you my pick. Um, I guess it would be time to move on to the next match. Yes, which is 
this year's incantation of the BDK and Jacob Hammermeyer, Tim Donst, and Delirious versus the Soul Touches of Marche Rocket, Acid Jazz, and Willie DeBomb Richardson. I um, am very intrigued by this BDK combination. Obviously, the story is the fact that Tim Donst is the captain of the team, and he picked his two partners in Delirious and Jacob. But I... I'm, uh, I personally do like the Soul Touches as a team, even if their gimmick can uh, wear off sort of quickly. I feel they work very well as a unit in terms of uh, bringing each type of style to the match. But uh, I am very interested to see, actually, uh, just how exactly the BDK works as a unit here. Well, I think there's two things to touch upon here. The first is this is one of the big storyline matches of the tournament that actually has a long-standing storyline. Um, it was, was it November or was it December? It was one of the last shows of Chikara's last season. Um, the BDK took out C-Red, the Soul Touches manager. And uh, he has not appeared yet in 2011 for Chikara. Yep. So... There has been a long-standing feud, in fact, um, in Williamsburg, no, Williamsport, Pennsylvania. It was uh, Willie DeBaum Richardson against Tursus, which was a match of epic proportions. I love big men matches. Certainly. Um, yeah. uh, you also have to factor in the fact, I mean, that the Soul Touches were actually the first team to beat uh, the BEK at all when they were going on their hot sprint throughout 2010. That's absolutely right. And they also beat the Colony that weekend, if I recall. Yeah, I mean, so uh, Jakar has, needless to say, been very behind the Soul Touches in terms of the way that they have pushed them over the last several months. But, I mean, as you had mentioned, this story behind this match is really uh, a lot more than meets the eye just on paper. Yeah, Jacob Hammermeyer as a character is essentially... Santino Morella as a heel, which is what Santino was uh, when he first turned heel. He's the goof. He needs a lot of help to win, and he's funny at doing it. But he wasn't terrible. He's good with his comedy spots, and I think you put him in the ring with Willie the Bomb Richardson, and he eats a big pounce only for, I don't know, Tursus to run in and, uh, and knock out Richardson or something and pull Jacob on top. I think Jacob's going to make for a lot of entertainment in this match. And I think it's a really good mix when you've got the entertaining guy, you've got the wrestler, and you've got the crazed brawler. So it's a really good mix of a team that probably will go a few rounds in. Yes. The next match we have is a uh, very big random match when you consider the type of talents that are involved. I mean, you've got a team of Mike Quackenbush, Jigsaw and Minami Toyota versus Amazing Red and the Maximos. Now, keep in mind with this, uh, they are not the, technically they are not the Maximos that are known as the SAT of Joel and Jose, as I believe it is Joel who has since retired from the business. It, it could be Jose, I could be wrong, but needless to say, I mean, this is a very, uh, one of the uh, falling under the Minnesota and Michinoku Pro match, one of those matches that can really only be seen in Chikara, where you'll get Minami Toyota and Amazing Red in the same ring together. 
Yeah, this is a very unique match. I can't say that this is one that I'm looking extremely forward to, just because given it's only one of the Maximos I saw a year ago, it's potentially both for all I know. But they were not in the best shape, and they didn't put on the best match with the Motor City Machine Guns, who are two top-level workers about a year ago. So with that said, though, I'm excited to see Red's interaction with all three of the individuals on the other team, Quack, Jigsaw, and Toyota. So this could be a lot of fun. I'm just not going in with big hopes. Yeah, I have to feel the same way. I mean, it's uh, very interesting to be able to see Red in uh, an independent environment uh, just because of the fact that uh, TNA, is, uh, needless to say, since uh, January 4th has been uh, holding Red back, I would say, quite a bit in terms of uh, what he's allowed to do in his matches or even if he's even on the show to begin with. So well, yeah, that was the that was the big point I was going to say. When was he on TV? It's all news to me. I think he had that one great match with Kurt Angle. It was like a three minute squash match where Angle gave him a decent amount of offense, and it wasn't it didn't end up being a squash match. Yeah, and it uh, it was meant but uh, help Kurt Angle put over Red as his big talent. Only uh, it never went anywhere with it, unfortunately. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, but. Uh, I would say that uh, it's a, with ease, a foregone conclusion that Quack Jigs on Toyota when this. And, oh, absolutely. And Red will end up in Ray de Valadores. Yes. I mean, which I am personally all for and do not have a problem with. And uh, the FAT, or the Maximos, I should say, will end up in the tag gauntlet. But yeah, we, we won't have to see them on night two. Well, I, you know what? I'm not even being fair. These guys could be okay right now. It's It's been a year since I've seen potentially one or as many as both of them, and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Certainly. Because That's, 10 years ago, the Maximos, the SAT, were a very enjoyable to watch tag team. Agreed. The next match on the show involves one of the more fun trios, I would say, being put together for King of Trios and 3.0 way of... Jagged and Shane Matthews, and, uh, of course, the returning El Generico versus the new Osirian Portal. And I know that you were talking about how the Osirian Portal is your pick to win this year's King of Trios. So, I mean, no, the way things are going, it's it's this is the Osirian Portal's year to win in terms of the way they're being booked, in terms of the way they've gone viral, and just in terms of the way the audience is really getting behind them, too. I think the last year has been great for the Osirian portal. I mean, uh, you had, uh, I'm sorry, my throat's just gone a little bit. Pardon me. You had Ophidian winning the uh, Ray de Valadores last year, which most people thought it was a shoe-in that Frightmare was going to win. Um, you have Jonathan Gresham, who's getting all kinds of acclaim, and he really does fit in quite well with uh, the new Osirian portal. And Amass is a quality worker as well, not to mention they're meshing well as a team. And they're going against one out-of-company guy. So odds are we're going to see El Generico and Ray de Valadores, which has worked in the past quite well, so I'm not complaining about that. And uh, Team Quebecois will be quite fun, but they're going out in the first round. 
hundred percent agreed. I mean, uh, I suppose I just sort of feel, I mean, that the portal very well may, I mean, may not win. It's just like, cause obviously they've beaten many trios from, uh, since they started, uh, acting as a trio over the past three months or so. But I just sort of feel that if they were to end up winning trios, it might come across as one of those, uh, well, sort of similar to the way that the BDK won last year, where it was just kind of like, okay, these guys just started teaming as a trio, and now they just rushed in and immediately win. Like, I guess, suppose it's that sort of like feeling that I get where it might be a bit, too fast for them, but it very well could happen. I mean, I would say that they are on my number two, I mean, behind the colony, but I mean, out of the three, including the Spectral Envoy as well. Yeah, but one thing that I'll say about the Osirian Portal, I have no doubt they're winning their first round match. Colony could very well lose their first round match. That's I think it will be more telling, and that's why it's hard to do a prediction show for a show like this, or even last year. How many curveballs did they throw at us last year that were like, wow, really? Oh, very true. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. It was positive, because we kept on having good matches, and they kept on surprising us. Mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, the, the last match of the tournament that we have here is the team of the throwbacks, which is Dasher Hatfield, Sugar Dunkerton, and the returning Matt Classic versus Team Osaka Pro, uh, Vatushi Katoge, Daisuke Harada, and the debuting Ultimate Spider Jr. It's uh, Team Osaka Pro, in my opinion, last year. I mean, between them and Big Japan, I mean, we're, you know, to say breakout stars coming out of King of Trios uh, 2010. And I feel that they will likely bring that again this year. I mean, I, in a very selfish hope out of me, I'm hoping that the throwbacks lose. And I'm certain that you remember why, Jacob. Um, I'm actually blanking on this. You're going to have to remind me. Because for night three, I want Matt Classic versus, versus Dark- Darkness Crabtree. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Which... By all means, if it happens, it will very well could be well-renowned as one of the bigger matches in the history of the business. I'm not even stretching that at all. And forget being worth the $20. No, now, Smartmark Video, everything's $15. Forget being worth the $15 price tag. Matt Classic versus Darkness Crabtree is worth the $45 price tag for all three shows. I I am 100% with you there. I mean, that, that, um, it's very sad. I feel sort of bad wishing that upon uh, poor uh, Dasher and Sugar, but they made the mistake of teaming with Matt Classic when that is a match that I really desperately want. <laughs> so, uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about uh, the two teams. Like last year, uh, you had Katogi and Harada. And they teamed with the guy with the muzzle. What was his name? I don't recall. Oh, uh, it was. Uh... Yeah, regardless, it it, it uh, her irregardless isn't a word. Regardless. Oh, uh, 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 that was it. Yeah, Tadasuke. That's right. Regardless, regardless of that fact, you have uh, you have these two guys had a great showing last year. I mean, Katogi was probably faster than Masato Yoshino. He just flew across the ring. 
mm-hmm. and nearly killed me at one point. But uh, it's they had a great showing, Team Osaka Pro, and I'm not familiar with Ultimate Spider Junior, but I am excited nonetheless. Looks cool. Probably will be a very fun match. You've got Sugar and Dasher who have been working really well in their feud with Brody Lee and Grizzly Redwood. So they've been having some really good matches. They're on a hot run, so I'm excited for them to work with a few different guys, and it's a very different dynamic at that point. And Matt Classic, one of the uh, most fun things of last year was the opening match of the whole tournament. It was Matt Classic and the throwbacks against Fist. Mm-hmm. Matt Agreed. Classic doing the uh, with the calisthenics outside of the ring, doing uh, all the squats and all that stuff, just mid-match. It was just hilarious. And I enjoy Colt Cabana's shtick. I enjoy the Matt Classic shtick even more. So That was actually one question that I was going to pose. As far as I know, Matt Classic and Colt Cabana have not been seen in the same building together Ever. I do wonder, though, if Colton Cabana very well could end up making an appearance this weekend at King of Trios. I mean, uh, although they would possibly have to restrain the two of them from uh, having a face-to-face confrontation, much like how it was with Curry Man and Christopher Daniels last year. Well, if throwbacks get eliminated in the first round, you can do Matt Classic and Colt Cabana on night two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be a feud for the ages, needless to say. I've I mean, got to uh, say, as much as that sounds interesting, you, you hit the nail on the coffin. Matt Classic, Darkness Crabtree. Yep, I agreed. I mean, uh, although if Cabana himself did actually make an appearance at Trios, I mean, he very, I mean, one novelty thing that he could do would be possibly to have the NWA title defended at a Chikara show, which in itself, I mean, the NWA title isn't necessarily looked at as a big deal in 2011. It would be a very cool novelty to have, needless to say, I mean, for the weekend as a whole. Yeah, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you don't remember that Colt Cabana is the NWA champion, given A, he won it so recently, and B, he doesn't bring it out with him on the ROH shows, which is his main source of exposure. So... But absolutely, that would be something. Could you imagine if he did a match with, I don't know, Eddie Kingston? Did an NWA title match just to give Kingston a rub? Or there are a few guys. He could do the old school style where he uh, cheats to win at the end and uh, the other guy looked like a million bucks in the process. Certainly. I mean, uh, but those were your first round matches for King of Trios. I feel that... uh, Everything about them can only result in good results coming out of the weekend as a whole, and that's just covering night one of the massive weekend, where you also have such things as Ray De Valadores on night two, which will likely be filled by many of the competitors that end up losing on night one, adding on to Zack Sabre Jr. and Pinky Sanchez as well. I mean, on top of the fact that on night three, Usually you get some very big dream matches, such as Darkness Crabtree, Matt Classic that I want. I feel that Sarah Del Rey versus Minami Toyota is something that could potentially happen, I mean, which would be fantastic. I mean, obviously you could possibly have something with even Dick Togo wrestling someone like Eddie Kingston on night three in his last real U.S. match. I mean, there's a lot of big possibilities coming out of this weekend. And then even though the fan conclave, 
at the weekend as a whole. I mean, with Stan Bush playing live. <laughs> yes, we've got the touch. We've got the power. <laughs> um, yeah, we didn't even touch on Fan Conclave. Fan Conclave was a riot last year. It was so much fun. It was just such a ridiculous, eclectic grouping of individuals and activities. Yep. I mean, I beat Johnny Gargano twice at Guess Who. He got pretty upset. I know Mark went on a big run beating people at Connect Four to the point where Jacob Hammermeyer threw down the Connect Four set. <laughs> and then, uh, on top of the fact, Family Portraits. With family Portraits. Many of the Chikara roster. And, and what about Chikarioki? Yes, I mean, with Don't Stop Believing and Ultramantis stealing the show. I mean, and even uh, the year before, where we, uh, at 2009, where there were things such as... I have had my feud with Icarus that has since carried over from the fan conclave, from the very first promo that you could find on Chikara's YouTube page, where we were discussing our hair versus hair match <laughs> at the time. And now, ever since then, at the 2009 Night 3, I got into a little bickering with Icarus, which, needless to say, he got the upper hand on me. Then during the tag gauntlet last year, I got my revenge on him pretty righteously. I'm, uh, I, do you confirm, Jacob? Oh, absolutely. You stood up, and he just stepped away by the end <laughs> of that step-up. It, it was quite humorous at the time, and I'm excited for the rubber match that will likely occur one of the nights this year. Yeah. I I feel like it very well could be the tag gauntlet again, but hopefully if it does happen, which I want it to, it makes it on camera. Otherwise, it would be very much so something out of TNA's playbook. <laughs> but some of the events as well that are happening at this year's fan conclave include such acts as the uh, Tursus Body Slam Challenge, which is going to be something that I don't know if anyone will be able to conquer. Well, considering there's some big fans at Philadelphia, maybe not so muscle-bound, but they're big individuals. We, we don't know, but odds are Tursus is a big boy. I don't think many people, if any, will be able to even slightly get him up, let alone fully slam him. Yes, and then uh, on top of that, there are, uh, I mean, as already previously mentioned, you got Stan Bush in concert. Uh, I don't know if they are actually doing the board games again, which is something that I would certainly hope that they do. But very Yeah, well. that was something that was really fun last year. One thing they are doing this year that's very cool is commentate a Chikara match. Yes. Uh, which uh, I I know that it's something that I believe it's with your favorite Chikara guest commentator, which case uh, the opportunity to be able to call a match with Ultramantis Black is something that I would be going nuts over, even uh, to be able to call a match with Bryce or Eddie Kingston and just simply have a markout moment like the two of them are very much known for would just be something that I would absolutely go bonkers over. Yeah, couple that with the possibility of doing one with the uh, great man from Nashville. Yes, Chris Lariato, and uh, hopefully calling a match where the infamous move known as the pile driver takes place. Yeah, because... Maybe you can work it into a three-way, get uh, Chris Lariato there and uh, Ultramantis Black. Yes, so that would be... I really don't know if 
any form of audio would be able to contain that greatness on commentary. You put the DVD to burn, the burner explodes? Yes, exactly. <laughs> on top of the fact uh, that at the Conclave, there will be a meet and greet with many of the stars of King of Trios 2011. And on top of the fact, you'll be getting uh, a couple other random matches on night two, such as the Archibald Peck Invitational and Eddie Kingston having an open challenge on night three. It just promises to be an absolutely fantastic weekend of wrestling from the company known as Chikara Pro. Well, with the fan conclave, I'm just hoping they have cake and no one knows about it except for me until the end. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember that? Did you get any cake last year? Because I I had like two pieces. I'm pretty certain I got a piece. I'm very certain of it. I I don't remember if uh, Mark and Crystal did or not. You know what? Maybe me and you were left in there. Mark and Crystal were gone because it was right at the end. And it's like they're bringing out this cake, but everyone's leaving. And they're waving people by. Do you want cake? Here, take two pieces. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, hopefully, uh, yeah. I mean, I honestly completely forgot about that. I would love to have cake after the conclave. Considering everything else is going to be Tony Luke's and this one and that one. (laughs) Tony Luke's, McDonald's, uh, and the like. (laughs) I'm pretty sure Larry Ato is going to say Tony Luke's or death. Yeah, yeah, otherwise uh, Tony Luke's will uh, receive the regulation pile driver. <laughs> no, I am excited. I am very excited for my uh, steak hoagie. It is, it is what I like in Philadelphia. Yes, and with that said, I feel that that concludes our preview of the King of Trios 2011 weekend, which, as already mentioned, promises to just be a very fantastic weekend. If you cannot be there in attendance, I highly encourage more than likely ending up purchasing this all three shows on DVD from SmartMark Video. They promise to be nothing but fun, as that's all that you can really ask out of Chikara. And I would like to thank Jacob for being a part of the show. It's my pleasure. Yes, and with that said, that is... That is the end for today's edition of Free Admission for Real. You can follow us, uh, follow us on Twitter at, at FreeAdmissionFR. You can also fan us on our Facebook page. I am JP Nichols. We will see you very soon.